Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders, and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest on the line, Allison Ostrander. She is the Director of Risk Tolerance and Options Trading Specialist at Simpler Trading. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group. Founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. Thanks for having me. Oh, no no problem. I, I'm excited to uh, to learn a little bit about uh, about you and, and learn more about Simpler Trading. And uh, for the podcast audience out there, please be sure to like and subscribe. And uh, that way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Now, Allison, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I've been trading close to 10 years now. Um, I actually have a theater degree, and when oh, I was wow. graduating, um, my dad thought it might be a good idea. He was starting to learn options trading and thought it might be something I might want to learn. And because, you know, I didn't really want to necessarily wait tables, I decided, hey, why not take him up on the offer? Um, and it instantly clicked with me. And since then, I've been trading ever since and have done really well, and it's become a second passion of mine. Wow, that is really, really interesting. A theater degree <laughs> to an options trader. Very yep. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of uh, what kind of options trades drew you in? What got your attention? What got you excited about it? Uh, well, I just loved the technical side of the charts. I'm very much a visual learner. Um, so when I first started learning and doing the ebbs and flows and everything like that of the chart and the market, it really just seemed to click with me. And options was the first thing I actually learned prior to just the normal stock buy and hold situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I loved the ability to get in and out of trades quickly, to have that versatility of being able to do something like a credit spread in a more non-directional market and still have the opportunity to make money. And so the more I learned, the more I got addicted to it. No, I, I totally, totally agree with you on that point. I I rarely go for a stock trade. And if I go for a stock trade, it's a covered call because I don't really do any immediate, you know, 50-50 trades. I mean, even if I'm going to do a, a debit spread, an in-the-money debit spread, uh, I'm even going to structure that to have a 60% or so probability of profit. I just, I don't like the idea of just buying and hoping that I got it right, right? When you can actually, you can structure the trade a little bit, you can, you can manipulate the odds in your favor right? And, uh, you know, put something out of the money or put something in the money or maybe uh, a butterfly, a broken wing butterfly, whatever the case is. There's so many different ways that you can be profitable with options where you're only going to be profitable if a stock goes up when you buy it. Absolutely. It's the best way to trade any type of market and still make consistent profits. Completely, completely agree with you. So, Allison, what does the Director of Risk Tolerance and Options Trading Specialist do at, op at uh, Simply Trading? <laughs> a that's a, that's yeah. a great title. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I am a trader here mainly. I do a lot of content providing and videos for the room, host classes. Uh, we have an online trading room that's open every day during the market hours that we go through. We have after-hour videos. Um, and in particular, my focus ever since I first started trading has really been risk. 
because like many traders, I kind of fell into that pop, pop fill, if you will, of stumbling across risk and not really understanding what that meant for position size, what that meant for the overall account. And once that started to hit me in a negative way, I realized very quickly how much that it wasn't only affecting me, but it was affecting other traders out there. And I took a real interest in learning how to control that. So that way, whenever I'm losing on a trade, it's never a big loss, but I still make ample gains to be able to continue to grow my account successfully. Right. Oh, man, that's great. Um, for the podcast audience out there, one of my biggest failures was uh, I went long gold last summer. And I don't know if, if you remember anything with gold last summer. It basically tanked like $200 an ounce or something. And this was really before I got into watching the charts. I, I learned, I guess you could say I grew up with the mentality of options are perfectly priced. And no matter what, it's uh, it's a fair distribution of risk if it's a 25 delta call or a 25 delta put. Failing to take into account trending markets or <laughs> things that just may be spiraling, spiraling out of control. And maybe even looking at a chart whenever things are going wrong and saying, oh, maybe this is a great place to get out. Uh, that was by far my biggest loss I've ever taken because I, I did several things wrong. First, I, I I put no emphasis whatsoever on the chart. And when things were going against me, I made a very uh, boneheaded mistake and, and certainly learned a lot from it of doubling down and, <laughs> uh, you know, letting things continue to brew to the point where I, I had lost way more than I should have. And as a director of risk tolerance there, uh, I would hope that, you know, that that's a lesson maybe that you've learned along the way that you could yes. share and, uh, you know, help other people with that as well. Because I love sharing the stories of my losses. I, I am not the, the guru out there that's going to say I only win all the time, period. No, I, I think sharing my losses makes makes me more relatable and honestly really does a lot more to help people than yes. just sharing the victories only. So do you have a, a story maybe that you could share like that? <laughs> I've been there plenty of times in my early days of trading where they went lower and I was thinking to myself, absolutely cost average it. It will bounce back up. I'll be able to get out for break even or a profit. And it was just putting more money into a sinking trade. And I've also you know, taught other people, other traders, strategies and stuff like that. And I would every now and then get another uh, trader that would come up to me saying, I've completely blown out my account. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And then we take a dive into it and it's all about them over-risking the capital that's necessary. So one of the things that I've come up with for myself that's helped me quite a bit, which I love to tell people about, is my 25% rule. And basically, this is a great idea for any of you who have a smaller account or are concerned about risk. Maybe you're losing sleep at night, watching the futures, depend like determining what the market's going to do the next day. Um, and the 25% rule is basically you take no more than 25% of your account and you invest that into new trades. And that's not saying that all of that goes into one new trade. It goes into multiple new trades. And then you take another 25% of your account and you put that into any management of a new trade that gets behind. So if you really still like the chart and maybe it fell down to a stronger support level, and it does look like the right action might be to cost average, you have that management capital available to you to be able to do that. Or if you want it to restructure the trade differently, you have that capital ready to go and available. And the last 50% of your account, you don't touch. You leave it completely out there. And that way, if you're in something like a credit spread, 
you have the money and capital to be able to buy it back. And you're also not losing sleep at night because you know your full account is invested. And so what I tell people when they're starting off, especially in smaller accounts, is to look at that as a guide frame. And of course, if you have a larger account, you can adjust those percentages how you like. But overall, the worst case scenario is for some reason you completely miss the boat on your new trades and your management. Well, overall, you still have 50% of your account left over. And if you've been keeping track of things, which you certainly should, maybe that's one of the issues that you had if you lost the full 50. But if you've been keeping track of things, you can go back to your trading plan and ask yourself, where did I go wrong? Was I maybe taking too many speculative trades around earnings? Did, was I investing too much? Maybe I, should I have pulled back a little bit? Uh, was the chart set up really there? Maybe I wasn't truly following the technicals. And you can kind of determine where you were going wrong. And once you get the courage back up, maybe you paper trade for a while, but once you get the courage back up, you take that remaining 50%. And once again, apply the 25% rule to it. So you're never, once again, risking the full account. But the idea is you use that to build back up to the original 100% and then adjust the percentages accordingly as you continue to grow it. Wow, that's really cool. I, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience. I, I hope they can uh, really write that down. That's that's what I was doing here, uh, writing down <laughs> her 25% uh, her rule. That's really cool. That's the first time I've heard that, but I like it. Yeah, it's helped me quite a bit. I've traded large accounts, uh, very large accounts for my families. I've traded small accounts for myself and for other family members and things like that. And I found it's such a good rule of thumb to stick to because whether you're in a small, small or large account, you're never over risking. And then it tells you to kind of uh, position the trade accordingly and in the individual trade that you're putting on. So you're not ever risking that full 25% because you know you want to use that for a few good trade setups that you might see out there. And at that point, you know that each of those trades are probably well positioned within the risk capital to be within your tolerance and be okay within your account as well. Right. Wow, that is really great stuff, Allison. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, of course. I think the audience out there will really get uh, some use out of that. That's perfect. So what, on the tool, the, uh, man, I'm, I'm totally stumbling over my words there. On the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, we give the, the audience tools, tips, and tricks to help them trade faster and trade smarter. What is one tip that you have that a complete newbie for the first time ever coming into options trading, uh, what's one tip that you could give somebody to help them get on their way, help them be a little bit more successful? Um, well, like I said, my big thing is about risk. So if you see a trade setup that you really like, there are still different ways to play it, and you don't necessarily need to pay the full amount of a long call to get in. Um, so, for example, if you like Amazon, right, and you think that's just going to continue to the upside, you might not want an in-the-money call because those can be, you know, $28 plus. They can be very expensive even on a short-term expiration. Right. So what I suggest to do then, if you still like it and you hold a smaller account, is to look at turning that trade idea into a long debit call vertical spread or into a put credit spread where it has a limited amount of risk. Your profit potential in turn is also limited, but it still gives you that ability to take profits on the movement. And sometimes you don't even need as much of a move in order to lock in that profit. For example, with the put credit spread, as long as it remains out of your short strike, you're getting a profit. So you don't need much movement on Amazon in order to take advantage of that theta decay. Whereas a long call, if it just kind of remains flat and choppy, could still actually end up being a loss for you because of that theta decay, whereas the put credit spread could end up being a win for you. 
Right. That's great. Yeah. Those those two traits right there are my go-to traits. The first thing <laughs> that I look to put on on any trade, and this is especially true, and, and members, uh, platinum members of the 10MinuteStockTrader.com will know this as well. That's my go-to trade is either a put credit spread if the implied volatility is high or a call debit spread if uh, the implied volatility is low. I mean, if these are our bullish positions here. Um, I actually did a portfolio analysis a couple years ago, and iron condors were my favorite trade. I mean, I would put them on no matter what, any circumstance, <laughs> iron condors is the way to go because you're, you're selling both sides of the market. You're taking in tons of premium. Things are awesome. It can never go wrong, right? <laughs> Except um, when I did the analysis, I saw that the iron condors, they won greater than 80% at the time, which is awesome, which we, you would hope they would. Uh, but... 90% of all my lost dollars for that year were from iron condors. And I made the distinction of even though it is a high win rate, the profits that I took were so much smaller than all the losses that I took. And because of that, I was like, you know what? I fought all these trades all year long. I'm just going to go one-sided from now on. So that's why whenever I look to put on a trade, the first trade that I look at is a put vertical uh, or a call vertical, either uh, you know bearish or bullish, whatever the case is, I like to take some sort of market posture and trade that direction. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. That's cool. Absolutely. And even on that note, um, if you're playing at one direction, but notice that, for example, if you're in a put credit spread, the price goes up, but it starts to stall out of resistance, you can always leg in and add the call credit spread to reduce your risk, but then you have a better idea of what that overall range is going to be because you've proven a support level, and now you're starting to prove a potential resistance level as well. Ooh, look at that. That's that's <laughs> tricky. So you're you're legging into an iron condor there. Yeah. I like that. Ah, that may become part of my uh, strategy there. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I know that sounds so simple, but that that's not something that that occurred to me. It was legging in into the iron condor. Huh. Yeah. I like it. The key there is just to, of course, make sure your short strikes have a width between them, much like you would on a normal mm -hmm. iron condor, and then keeping that width the same so you keep the same capital risk. Of course. And you're actually reducing the risk because you're bringing on more premium without technically using any more capital. Right. Now, now for the podcast audience out there, this is why I get on guests for the show. Because I, I love to trade. I've been trading for most of a decade. Well, no, I take that back. So I've been trading stocks since 2009. And I started trading options about five years ago. Totally changed the game. But, you know, I don't know everything, right? That's that's why I get these guests on. And, and just today, Allison is teaching us about legging into iron condors based on support and resistance. Very cool. I love that. So... So what are some of the resources that you use or maybe maybe like a chart pattern or, or something like that, that in particular you could use uh, since we're talking about legging into iron condors, maybe maybe something on a chart that would suggest to you, hey, maybe this is uh, a, an opportunity to sell the call side and not really box in the trade because it's hitting some sort of resistance. Um, well, one way to know whether a symbol, whether it's a stock or an index or something, is starting to get a little bit overextended, at least what I like to use on my charts, um, is I'll put on both the second and third deviation Bollinger Band. And whenever the price starts to get above that second, and especially if it starts to get above the third, you know that there's a higher probability that there, at least within the next few days, there's going to be some sort of pullback. Um, and 
whether that's on the upper Bollinger Band and it pulls back down to support, or whether that's on the lower Bollinger Band pulling back up to resistance. So other than some of the other indicators that I use, a very simple one and a free one for most charting platforms is to put on both of those Bollinger Bands. And once you see the price start to move above that second, especially if momentum is really high, um, you know that there's going to be a stronger possibility of starting to see a pullback, if not that next day or that same day, within the next few trading days or within the next week. So that might give you a target of saying, hey, I see this is getting high. If I put a call credit spread that's out of the money above this level, there's a strong possibility, as long as there's time within the trade, that it will start to turn back down. And then that's how you could look at legging into the call side if you're already in the put. Wow. And vice versa on the lower I like it. band. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I use a lot of moving averages. Uh, so, I love so averages. Yeah, yeah. One of one of my. Uh, so, do you know Steve Burns? Um, he's a uh, he's. I, I would call him Twitter famous, but uh, <laughs> he's I, he's been around for a couple decades. He's written many uh, trading books, and uh, he's been on the podcast several times. Uh, one of his whole deal, his things is uh, moving averages, moving average crossovers. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on working with him a little bit, I've really started to incorporate those into my trading plan. And uh, that that's some of where I get all my trading ideas from. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the 5 and 20 exponential moving averages crossing over and then uh, the 10 and 50 also crossing over. But also combining that with a few other factors for a confluence of agreement, right? So um, I, Bollinger Bands are not something that I have used recently. When I say recently, I haven't touched them in three years i'm very familiar with them i know exactly Mm -hmm. all about them it's just not not something that i've used but uh with that in mind uh i may start start using those a little bit seeing uh you know if if trades are stalling out like you were saying maybe there's a good opportunity to to sell the other side i like that absolutely and keep in mind it doesn't mean that the trend isn't still going in that direction it just might be ready for a short-term pullback. So still keep an eye on those moving averages because, for example, if it goes back to the 5 or 21 for the ones that you track, um, it might stall out there as support, and that's the sign that it could be getting ready to bounce back into the trend. And whatever profit you have on that call side, you might want to go ahead and take off the table. Okay. So would you, in this case, uh, mm-hmm. you made me think of this, right? So so let's say I have, um, let's say I have a put credit spread that has uh, 35 days to expiration and it's it's reaching the top of the Bollinger Bands, would we now look to sell the call spread maybe at a shorter expiration term, maybe 14 days, something like that, because we're thinking maybe it's going to bounce back and we still maintain our overall longer position? Or, or what, what would you do in that case? Or would you still maintain the same expiration? You could do that, but the only risk there is that you're adding on capital risk, right? So it's not a capital positive move for your account. You need to keep it within that same expiration. Um, What I would do if my put credit spread was that far out was first determine the trend, you know, kind of feel out the likelihood whether it is going to continue higher, maybe it's just a short-term pullback. And if it is, and you still wanted to try and take advantage of that, I would still probably keep it the same expiration, but maybe put it out for a smaller credit um, that's further out of the money. That way, whenever it does pull back, you're going to see that theta decay work more quickly in your favor. You can lock that in as a quick profit. And then if it bounces off support again and continues higher and makes another Bollinger Band snap or something like that, then you have another opportunity maybe a few times prior to that put expiration to jump back in if you haven't already taken profits on the put side. 
Very cool. Man, this is yeah. this is a great conversation. I love these. These are the kind of <laughs> tactics that, uh, you know, a, a, an experienced trader can bring to the table and, and really just finding different ways to achieve profitability, right? I mean, there's there's a myriad of ways to do it with options. Like we're talking about, we're, we're selling a put credit spread and then maybe we're going to sell a, a, a call credit spread, an opposing credit spread based on something else that's happened. Whereas if you just bought the stock, all you can do is to just hope it goes up, right? Or, <laughs> yeah. or sell it to close. That's about it. So yeah, there, there's a lot more opportunities. And that's one of the reasons I love options. And it sounds like you do too. Yes. Yeah, I love options. Very cool. How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. We give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I think the smartest thing you could do is open a new brokerage account with Tastyworks. Tastyworks is a brokerage platform that I use and I recommend. The commission structure is absolutely unbeatable at $1 per leg total. Now, if you sign up for a free Tastyworks account using the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, I'll give you $150 in free 10-Minute Trader exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com just for opening a free account at Tastyworks. Remember to use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, when signing up for your new Tastyworks account today. So let's see here. So what's currently on your watch list right now, Allison? What are you looking at? Uh, well, a few that I'm looking at, one for a rising bias trade. It's already started to work itself out, um, but I still see signals setting up on the weekly chart to where it's still valid, maybe if you did a longer term style trade. But Hershey, HSY, is actually seeing a really nice move to the upside right now. Um, I'll send you over here my charts, but what I'm basically seeing is the 10 is rolling up off the 30 of my simple moving averages. We are near the upper Bollinger Band, so be cautious short term of a pullback, maybe down to around 112, 111 to test those levels. But if they can continue to hold, um, this is looking like it's just going into a nice bullish trend. Once again, the momentum's building back up, still has room to the upside. Uh, one of my other indicators uh, is showing a bullish signal as well. And then when I go over to the weekly chart, one of our big indicators here at Simpler Trading is called the squeeze. And on the daily chart, the squeeze has fired to the upside. There's also a weekly squeeze that's still currently printing, which also, because the daily squeeze has fired up and everything on the weekly chart also looks bullish, that has a strong possibility of firing up. And typically when that does, you'll see a continuation for the next several bars. And it usually is a big uh, move in momentum to where it can make a better profit than if you're just jumping into an overall bullish trend without the squeeze. Mm. Um, so I've already had it fire on the daily chart. Um, I myself am continuing to hold it to try and see if I can't get the weekly chart to also fire to the upside and maybe give myself a little bit more gains and profit on that call. Uh, but overall, I like it. And I think target wise to the upside, we could probably go back up and test our prior highs around 115, 116. And then certainly if we start to break above that, that's only confirming the bullish trend that's starting to set up and more than likely longer term will continue to the upside. Wow. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you yeah. for sharing the chart so we could uh, look at that a little bit. Absolutely. Very cool. I like that. So is Hershey, uh, are they are they leading into earnings right now or have they already had their earnings? Uh, let me double check that. I believe they are leading into earnings. Um, their next one is April 25th. So no matter what, if I was long in this um, with an option call like I am, I would be out of this before their earnings announcement just in case there's any sort of volatility. But typically, um, 
not all the time, but a lot of symbols will see a nice bullish run into the earnings announcement. And that's what we could be experiencing here with Hershey's mm-hmm. along with what the technicals are showing us. That's that that was my initial thought was, oh, it must be leading into earnings. So yeah. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I also don't trade earnings. And it sounds like like uh, that's the case with you. Uh, I have been burned way too many times of trying to be like selling an iron condor around earnings and all of a sudden the stock's off in one direction i'm like ah damn i gotta close it and then it's off the other direction like ah crap i just did it both directions it sucks uh you know and this all (laughs) happens within 30 minutes of the market opening so i don't trade earnings it uh it has become a a pain in my side that i have chosen to avoid from now on yeah i call um earnings trade lotto style trades Mm -hmm. so if you do play them you should be okay a hundred percent losing that capital Oh, yeah. Um, and then whenever I do play earnings, because it's not very often, I'll typically look for ones like Lulu, for example, <laughs> where they've consistently, other than the last earnings, uh, but consistently usually show a nice jump to the upside. And when I look at that, I'll typically try and get into a conservative trade like an unbalanced butterfly or maybe a straddle butterfly where my risk is really low, but my profit potential is really high. Um, and try and go within that expected range of the movement. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? <laughs> What is a straddle butterfly? This is new to me. Um, so a straddle butterfly is basically where you're opening the butterfly out of the money. Okay. Um, and in regards to earnings, what you would do is go to that week's expiration date on your options chain. Uh-huh. Look at basically the expected range because you know that expected range is going to encompass the earnings announcement. In this case, Lulu was about a 15-point range from around 145. So you could either do the unbalanced butterfly or the straddle butterfly. And the straddle one is where you would basically go roughly 15 points out of the money on the put side and 15 points out of the money on the call side. Look at that as being your pin strike and then opening whatever with the butterfly you want. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. I hadn't heard it called that before. I like it. So you're saying, you're saying set up like a, a put butterfly and then combining that with a call butterfly. Yes, because they're both out of the both money. Out of the money. risk okay. stays relatively low on the debit. Um, for example, when I did mine, it was about a $3. So it's still on a 10-point spread gave me a $10, or uh, excuse me, a $7 profit potential. Um, it just needed to at least move. If it didn't move, then I was going to be out that capital, mm-hmm. which is why you should be okay losing it. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it worked in my favor. It moved. It started to move a little high. Uh, but with the bearish divergent bar it made yesterday, I knew that probability of pulling back today was stronger. And that's exactly what it started to do to where I was able to close out and net everything for a profit. Wow. That's really cool. I have not, I've not traded basically a butterfly on either side. Well, have I? I guess I haven't. No, I have done something similar, but with uh, broken wing butterflies. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it, it does take more capital. There is more risk I, it, if you go on either side. But if you're able to do both broken wing butterflies for a credit, I mean, you've got, I'm drawing in the air, but um, <laughs> you've got a, uh, a butterfly on either side and then kind of like an iron condor combined with that through the middle, uh, almost like the shape of Batman's head. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. I, I hadn't, hadn't heard, man, you, you're teaching me all kinds of stuff, Allison. This is great. Yeah. And I would say the only thing about doing a uh, broken wing one like that on both sides mm-hmm. is understand the risk of the iron condor versus the butterfly portion of that. Meaning if it really starts to get outside the top or the bottom of those wings, either on the collar put side, you're not only going to start to lose the debit on the butterfly, 
but you'll also start to enter the risk side of the iron condor as well. Mm -hmm. So right. just keep in mind that risk capital. No, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the difference between what you're talking about with the straddle butterfly, maybe, maybe it's $50 in risk. Maybe each one of the, uh, butterflies is, is 25, just round numbers mm -hmm. here. Um, whereas the, the Batman head you could call, um, that would probably be something more like $250 in risk versus like a $50 in risk. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Allison, this has been a very enlightening conversation. I have really enjoyed this. Great. Yeah. I too. I, this has been nice. Yeah. I, uh, I would love to have you back on if you would. Absolutely. Very cool. So Allison, where, now that you've, you've verbally committed, now I can move on. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you at? Uh, well, they can find me at simplertrading.com. Like I said, I host, help host the room every day. Um, I do a lot of video content on the site as well. You can also check us out on our YouTube page. I upload videos there from time to time as well. So, um, but Simpler Trading, that's where you can find me. Perfect. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming on the How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. I really appreciate the uh, the conversation and and I've learned a ton of stuff today and I hope the audience has <laughs> as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Sure thing. So thank you so much for tuning in today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and come back next time for more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. I know you're a listener, but are you a watcher? Make sure you head on over to YouTube, type in 10 Minutes Stock Trader, and subscribe to the 10MinuteStockTrader.com YouTube channel. Every week, I upload all the podcasts as full videos, and that way you're getting the full 10-minute trading experience. That way you can have all the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Make sure you subscribe to whatever podcast app you're listening to and leave me a five-star review if you don't mind. That would be fantastic. And whenever you're done with that, head on over to 10MinuteStockTrader.com and download the one-minute options trading quick start guide. It'll give you all the tools, tips, and tricks that I use in my own portfolio, and it never gets outdated, and it will apply to every single options trade out there. So I think it'll be pretty useful for you. And while you're there, check out the free portfolio page. That'll show you everything that I've traded over the last year in full transparency. And since you're on the website already, check out the free trading course. In this free trading course, I give you every single thing that I know and use in my own portfolio, and I definitely think it'll help you out too. And then after you're done there, head on over to tastyworks.com and sign up using the code 10minute, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, and I'll send you over $150 in free 10-Minute Trader exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com. And most of all, thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. I really appreciate the fact that you and I have connected today and that you've chosen to put me inside your earbuds. That means the absolute world to me. And thank you so much for stopping by. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 
Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimAndStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.